Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym. And here at the Bedpost Podcast, what I like to do is bring fun and sexy guests into my studio to have in-depth conversations about sex and sexuality. Uh, And today I have a really super special guest. But before that, I just want to tell you... Um, remind you guys uh, about I, I that I have started a Patreon, finally. I know, like three and a half years into doing my podcast, I finally decided I might want to get paid for it. So <laughs> if you want to, you know, throw a couple bucks um, a month my way uh, via Patreon subscriptions, I would really appreciate it. What I'm doing basically for bonus content is little 30 minute solo episodes. And what I talk about is my polyamorous personal life and also my professional life as a professional dominatrix. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, and you like the sound of my voice, and also you have a couple bucks to spare a month, uh, please head over to patreon.com slash the bedpost show. That said, um, I'm so excited for my guest today. He is Skyping all the way over from Perth, Australia, um, which is pretty funny to try and coordinate since we're like 13 hours apart. Uh, but everybody, I'd love to, uh, to welcome to the podcast Cam Frazier. He is a sex coach, certified sexologist, and tantric yoga teacher. Hi, Cam. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for including me in your fun and sexy guest, Sarah. <laughs> You're fun and sexy, right? Yeah, I hope so. I think so. <laughs> Great. Um, so right off the bat here, um, we've had sex coaches on the podcast. We have had sexologists on the podcast. Um, I have never, I, I don't even know if I've even ever heard of a tantric yoga teacher so why don't we why don't we jump right in uh, and have you tell us a little bit about what in the world tantric yoga is? Yeah, no worries. So um, tantric yoga, as opposed to just your regular old yoga that you see on the cover of magazines, is all about uh, building an awareness of the uh, sensations in your body and. Uh, One of those sensations that we build an awareness of is pleasure. And uh, through tantric yoga, we learn how to really cultivate an awareness of that pleasure, how to move that pleasure through the body, how to expand it, how to maximize it, and then really how to explore it within ourselves and share it with another person. So, um, yeah, it's like the inner yoga. It's a yoga of uh, emotion and, and sensation and experience. Amazing. Um, that's so funny, actually, because um, there's a sex club here in Toronto called Oasis, and um, one of the gals, uh, Fatima Meshtab, um, contacted me and to kind of like ask if I knew anyone that could do some kind of sensual yoga, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I recommended like 
um, sexologist, Den Temen, who does hands-on sex education. I was like, maybe them. And then I have a friend who's a sex worker and also a yoga teacher. I'm like, maybe them. But I literally had no idea what to even tell her. (laughs) I wish you lived in Toronto so I could recommend you. But um, tell us like a little bit about, so what does this look like? Say if I'm attending a tantric yoga class with you, what would we actually be doing? Yeah, so um, some people can get a little bit uh, hesitant to come to a tantric yoga class because they might feel that there's going to be a whole bunch of weird uh, nudist kind of practices <laughs> and everyone you know jumping around on each other, but it's, it's really a lot tamer than that because um, the practice is all about connecting to yourself. So um, I have done classes in the past where clothes are optional, but um, really the, the practice is all about um, you know, building that awareness of, of what's happening in your body. So we do a whole bunch of different exercises that might not look like your stereotypical yoga um, practices. We do lots of different types of breathing. We do uh, lots of different types of movement exercises really to engage with the hips, to engage with the spine, um, to open up the pelvis, to release tension from the body. That's a really big thing because mm-hmm. the more tension that you have in the body, the more tightness that you have, the less you can experience pleasure. So, um, yeah, we do a lot of anxiety-relieving practices, tension-relieving practices, a little bit of meditation to hone your awareness of what's happening in your body. It's really an amazing collection of different practices from different types of yoga from different disciplines and modalities just uh, woven together into this um, beautiful tapestry of experience. Hmm. And like, so, so on the outside, does it kind of look like a regular yoga class a little bit? Um, I mean, aesthetically, I suppose. Yeah. There's people uh, on yoga mats with their yoga clothes on and, um, and listening to a yoga teacher, but some of the <laughs> exercises you might do might look a little bit strange to the just to your regular old yoga student. <laughs> um, and okay, so you're saying kind of meditation as well. So just like yoga, there is some sort of kind of spiritual connection being brought into this as well. Yeah, kind of. There's this idea. Um, that's kind of thrown around in new styles of Tantra, new age styles of Tantra, that sexual energy is something to be revered or respected or um, to be considered sacred. So um, there is this tapping into that ideology as well. So just starting to really develop a bit of um, a bit of respect, I suppose, for that, that feeling of arousal, for that feeling of being turned on, for that feeling of being... Um, erotic or sensual or sexual um, and bringing a bit of I suppose reverence or a bit of sacredness into that feeling as well so um, treating it as something that isn't um, you know isn't mediocre or mundane but really um, giving it the the praise and the the um, the, the reverence that it deserves mm-hmm. that sounds amazing that sounds quite lovely actually <laughs> yeah it is it's a lovely practice and Are people, so since you're talking about like in class, you know, you're kind of focusing on, on sexual energy, essentially, if I'm understanding correctly, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I literally know nothing about this. (laughs) 
So, like, are people getting, are people feeling aroused? Are people feeling like, you know what I mean? Is there, like, a tangible kind of sexual energy happening in the room? Like, is it, does it feel, like, sexy to people that are attending this class? Um, I, I hope so. I mean, there's, um, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, energy running in the room. You can, you can kind of cut the, the electricity with a knife and, um, there's a lot of like, uh, so I encourage a lot of sound. Um, so there's like this, there's still like this taboo around making noise to express your pleasure and to express the experience that you're having. So that's something that I quite encourage a lot is to people, for people to make noise and to express themselves in a way that feels comfortable for them. Um, so there's, you know, there can be quite a bit of moaning and groaning and sighing and grunting and, and some growling as well sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it, it does get quite, um, quite charged, I suppose, erotically. Um, but it's, it's contained. So it's not, I don't do any partner work in the classes. I, th- I, I feel it's really beneficial to just con- contain the energy just within yourself, within your own practice. And then if you wanted to explore it later, with another person you can but for the class it's um it seems to be really nice to just have your own little erotic space and your own little um arousal experience um and then share that kind of collectively as a group yeah it's really beautiful and how could one potentially so say if they're coming to class and they're kind of um you know, working those muscles, like those sexual energy muscles. And as you said, kind of creating like an erotic space for ourselves um, and figuring out how to do that. Um, how how could we kind of bring that into a partner setting, say, you know, after the class coming home to our husband or whatnot? What would that look like kind of bringing that into the partnered experience? Yeah, so um, a couple of things that I – so I do couples work um, or partner work um, in a private practice, and so some of the things I suggest to, to couples or, or even you – know, it doesn't have to be two people, it can be as many people mm-hmm. – but is, is bringing in a, a series of elements, and I call these elements of erotic ritual. And these um, – they kind of stem from you know, breathing to touching to moving – to sound, not only the sound that you're making, but the the music that's playing, um, you know, the uh, the container that you're creating. So, like, are you setting up candles and putting on silk sheets if that's what you're into, or are you putting some incense on, or you know, dimming the lights, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and so then, and then playing around with these things. So, if you want to bring a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of that energy and that that reverence for the sacred sexual energy into the bedroom, into your partnership, mm-hmm. try incorporating elements of these erotic ritual. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a whole practice around it and, and, you know, people can get overwhelmed if you, if you start trying to do all these things at once, but it's about, you know, implementing or integrating, you know, one little thing at a time. If you've never, you know, lit candles when you've made love before or been with your partner before, then try lighting some candles and see how that changes the atmosphere and changes the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this is all kind of reminding me, actually, of on another episode, I spoke to Evgenia from Spirit Sex Lab, and she kind of, in her practice, she does energy orgasms, essentially, mm-hmm. um, where they're completely hands-free, but um, I've seen a couple of the videos, and it's kind of like what I'm picturing these classes kind of might be like. 
um, as you're saying, you know, there's moaning happening and, and, um, like you're free to express, you know, verb, you know, uh, auditorily, um, audibly, you know, when you're feeling pleasure and whatnot. Um, so something that she was doing, she does in her practice is like, she is kind of doing a guided hands-free orgasm with the person. So she's encouraging them to like, with their breathing and whatnot, that's a huge part of it. Um, and also with their like muscle work. So say if it's a vulva or vagina owner there, she's kind of doing a guided Kegel, like having them engage their Kegel muscles and whatnot. Um, is that something that is kind of a part of this as well? Or am I totally off base? No, you're a hundred percent on base. That's, um, it's very similar to, so sometimes that's called like a breath orgasm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Commonly called an energy orgasm as well. Um, yeah, I do something very, very similar with both, um, people that are vulva owners and, and people that are cock owners as well, like mm -hmm. doing some Kegels and pelvic floor exercises, mm -hmm. starting to breathe and move the hips and, and the pelvis back and forth and move that energy up the body all guided as well. So, um, yeah, it, and it's all hands free and just done with you know with that energy and with and with the breath and starts to really open people up to this idea or this experience that you don't have to touch your genitals to experience all this pleasure and all this you know kind of orgasmic energy. Mm -hmm. And that can I'm sure that can be carried through to a couple scenario or or a scenario where you are engaging um, touch and other sensations as well. I'm sure it all just adds to it a hundred percent yeah yeah there's there's so many practices you can do with a partner um sitting with them breathing with them moving with them that doesn't require you know any genital stimulation at all and it's a amazing orgasmic experience wow amazing <laughs> um okay one of the topics that i had here was how yoga, um, and specifically this type of yoga can help with sexual anxiety, trauma, and dysfunction. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So yoga in general is like a really good, um, or at least this is my observation, my opinion, um, is a really good way of alleviating kind of stress and anxiety physically from the body. So, um, it's a good way of you know, releasing tension and tightness from huge muscle groups or big muscle groups in the body. Mm -hmm. And then it's also a good way of learning how to control your breath or manipulate your breath and changing it specifically from um, breathing into your chest and breathing into um, your thorax, so like this shallow breathing, and changing that into this deeper uh, diaphragmatic belly way of breathing. Um, and so that those two things alone, just changing the breath deeply and alleviating tightness from the body is is really alleviating anxiety from the physical. And when we when we look at how that affects our you know our cognitive anxiety or our, or our mental anxiety, the um, the feedback is through is through the body to the brain. So when we're anxious, we tend to tighten up. We tend to shorten our breath we tend to raise our heart rate you know, we have all these symptoms of of anxiety and and when we're able to you know if we're having trouble maybe working through that mentally or emotionally one of the things we can do which is really beneficial is work through it physically so we just start to reverse those 
those characteristics of anxiety in our body. So we release the tension, we lower our breath, and then that feeds its you know, feeds itself back into our brain, feeds itself back into our emotions and our, our emotional state, starts to tell us that hey, our body's not actually anxious. Um, so we don't need to be anxious mentally, that we don't need to be anxious kind of um, emotionally. So that's a really good way, firstly, of working through anxiety in general. But then when it comes to things like sexual anxiety or pot- uh, potentially even some sexual trauma, um, yoga is a good way, um, especially tantric yoga is an amazing way of like, getting you in touch with what you're feeling. So you know, so often when we have a past or a history of sexual anxiety or trauma, can tend to get so closed off from, from experiences and specifically sexual experiences. So um, one of the ways of, of kind of overcoming that and working through it is starting to become aware of what feels pleasurable, what maybe doesn't feel pleasurable, building up a bit of a relationship with the body again, um, starting to learn how to communicate um, not only with ourselves, but then learning about ourselves and, and learning how to communicate what we've learned with other people. So with a partner, um, maybe sexually or or potentially in therapy, if that's still something that they're going through. Um, so yeah, it can be a really amazing way of alleviating general anxiety and then, um, and then helping a person get in touch with themselves again after maybe a traumatic um, sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes that makes really a lot of sense um, because a lot of people um, who have experienced some type of sexual trauma, there's a disconnect, right? Um, uh, mm-hmm. And as a way to just kind of begin this self-healing journey and, and re-engage with yourself and develop, you know, redevelop a relationship with your own body again. I can see the the value in that for sure for folks that are healing from trauma and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um okay. So I feel like a good segue um might be going into we're talking about uh our next topic here is sacred relating. Um, Mm. Tell me a bit about that. Sure. So um, sacred relating, I guess for me um, and the way that I I view it is like we have these these three relationships and these three relationships govern our – govern everything that we do really. Like everything we do falls into one of these three relationships and these – these relationships kind of work chronologically, um, but they also work, you know, intertwined with one another. They all influence one another. And they're firstly your relationship with yourself. So it's a relationship maybe with your body, with um, how you treat your body, with physical exercise or maybe the food that you put in your body and uh, or the, you know, illicit or not so illicit substances you put in your body, um, the, uh, you know, the meditation practices you have, the uh, mental health practices that you have, whatever that might be, um, but it's really bringing a bit of sacredness into that relationship. So, you know, I love cliches, and I, I think there's so much <laughs> kind of truth in like these idioms. And one of those is, you know, your body is a temple. And so there's like this underlying notion that there's something a little bit sacred, a little bit um, special about temples and, and treating temples the way they're supposed to be treated. And really, your body and the way that you treat your body should be. Uh, should be a, a relationship that you have, you know, it's, and should be an important sacred relationship. And then 
that kind of leads itself on to then um, creating a sacred relationship or like a reverential, respectful relationship with something that's greater than you. Um, and so when I when I talk about this, some people get a bit lost, but the idea is, you know, for a lot of people, that's something that's greater than themselves could be religion, it could be spirituality, so that language could be God or consciousness or spirit or source. Or for a lot of people these, you know, these days, something that's greater than themselves is the planet, you know, is, is creating a bit of a relationship with the planet through what they're doing in their community or for their tribe or for, um, you know, their local group or whatever it is. But it's like connecting to something that isn't you, that's something a little bit greater than yourself mm-hmm. and treating that as a, as a sacred relationship as well. And then that steers itself into this final relationship, which is relationship with um, other people and another person in particular. So it could be, um, you know, your partner or partners, uh, it could be a romantic interest, it could be, uh, you know, it could be a business partnership, it could be a child, it could be a parent, it could be a sibling, um, it, could be, it could be anything. But starting to recognize that this other person is another, you know, amazing, divine, beautiful human being and, and how you're going to then interact with that person and, and creating that type of relationship and a really sacred relationship with that other person. And, and it's like when those three relationships are starting to work in harmony or one's maybe not getting prioritized over the other two um, or that you're working towards all three of them that you start to, you know, build what I think is is balance in your life and is is the epitome of, of sacred relating. You're relating sacredly on, on all fronts, you know, with yourself, with spirit and with, with another person. Do you have a couple ways to tell us like tangibly how we can kind of start to create these sacred relationships with like both ourselves and then our environment and then with other people? Like, do you have some very small ways that somebody listening could like start today, say creating that relationship with ourselves? Yeah. The easiest way is to start moving your body. It doesn't matter what that looks like. Could be hitting the gym, could be doing CrossFit, could be running, could be swimming, whatever it is, yoga, tai chi, qigong, but actually start moving your body. You know, we there's there's like this um, tradition in like uh, Eastern philosophies that we need to we need to overcome the physical and transcend to reach enlightenment through by going into a cave and like meditating for 24 hours a day. <laughs> uh, but we don't we don't live in caves anymore, right? And we don't we don't live these aesthetic lifestyles. We live in you know quote unquote the real world. So we were given this this physical body and these five senses to use and to live in this this present moment. So start actually engaging those. Start moving the body start listening to the body um you know you've only got one um so start you know actually caring for it um by getting it to move and getting it to move properly so that's that's like a real simple way of connecting to the body um connecting to I mean, connecting to um the environment or or you know consciousness or whatever you want to call it is is really that can be really personal for a lot of people so and that it tends to be a, a bit more of a journey um but one simple way, if you're not super spiritual or religious, is to go do some type of volunteering, some type of community service. Um, mm-hmm. But um, if you are, I mean, 
if you are spiritual and religious, that doesn't mean you don't have to do those things, but you might be more inclined to um, do some uh, do some meditating or do some praying or do something that's a little bit more you know aligned to your faith or um, or tradition. Um, and then connecting with another person is really um, like just have an open conversation with them. Just say, you know, you, you're really important to me, and I'd like to. I'd love to know what I can do to help make this relationship stronger. You know, just have that conversation. Real, I mean, I, I say it sounds it sounds easy, but in in practice, might be a little bit difficult. But um, yeah, just being just being a little bit more open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easier said than done. But I mean, it it, nice. it it can be that easy to just <laughs> just to just open up to somebody and talk to them about how much they mean to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if only. Um, so one thing we were talking about before was anxiety. And I'm wondering how anxiety can kind of tie into it can tie into us kind of being disconnected with both our bodies, our environment and with other people. Um, and how, you know, how we can bring sacredness and reverence back into these relationships. Um, yeah, awesome. So, so many, I get so many questions around this and, and like, it's, it's so, so we're so aware of anxiety in our life, you know, like we go around, um, really living in a state of, of anxiety, however aware of it we are or not, you know, we, we have our phone in our pocket, which keeps us on high alert for any new notification that we get. We bounce around from, deadline to deadline either at work or at school or maybe in our family life you know we've got to take care of a sibling a mother a father or a, or a, you know, a child or whoever it is so we kind of live on you know on this anxious um on this anxious plane and um and it it's kind of this vicious cycle as well right because we have we have these symptoms of anxiety so we have like these feelings and maybe emotionally of, of feeling a little bit overwhelmed, maybe frustrated and maybe we feel like we're stuck in a rut. And then we've also got these physical symptoms of um, muscle tightness and tension. Um, maybe we've got, you know, there's an epidemic of lower back issues in, in the West and there's you know, kind of, when you start looking at it, there's no surprise why, because that's where a lot of us hold tightness and tension in our body. Um, and, and then no one really tells us how to alleviate these things. You know, we, we're just kind of left to our own devices and, and we kind of either try and sweep them under the rug and forget that they're there or we try and, you know, um, do something about them and maybe we don't really know exactly what to do about them. And so that just compounds the issue and, it, and you know, those things build up and they make us feel more anxious because we're not able to combat them or do anything about them. And so that anxiety plays into our um, you know, mental space and then that manifests as more physical anxiety and, and so we have this vicious cycle um, and to kind of break free of this cycle so many people turn to um, perhaps alcohol perhaps um, some other type of um, illicit substance or could be a specific activity or maybe even a specific person um, that we turn to to uh, alleviate that that cycle to alleviate that anxiety really those things are all temporary they're all transient and um we find ourselves you know uh, pushed straight back into that cycle of anxiety as soon as that temporary fix of 
of pleasure, a temporary fix of dopamine is, is kind of um, is kind of depleted. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, this this notion of anxiety really starts to hinder our um, starts to hinder our ability to to be sacred with ourselves, to be sacred with um, our environment and and our um, and the people in our life because we look for these temporary fixes without really addressing that kind of root. Uh, root cause or root problem, which is that cycle um, of anxiety. I think I think I got off topic there, but I think I answered the question. <laughs> and okay, so how do we break a cycle of anxiety then? Is it related yeah. to? Is it because we've lost touch with these relationships that we're talking about, or is it something something else unrelated? No, it's definitely definitely to do with those relationships. So. Um, anxiety can kind of manifest when we are maybe out of balance, right, with those relationships. So if one relationship is uh, taking up more of our time because it's um, maybe unhealthy and there's some things in there that maybe you worked on, then that can that can pull us out of balance with regards to the other two relationships. Or um, maybe we over-prioritize one. Um, if something that comes to mind is, is, uh, you know, I work with a lot of uh, people privately that go to the the gym and do a lot of CrossFit. And, for example, and and they over-prioritize that in their life and they end up doing maybe a little bit of uh, damage to their body. And so they've kind of prioritized this relationship they have with their body to the extent where it's become overbalanced and, you know, they ended up doing some some damage and and neglecting other parts of their life. Um, So... Yeah, and, and so this is like, and the reason why we do these things is to try and, um, you know, escape from that, that cycle of anxiety. So, um, yeah, one of the ways we can start to alleviate that that vicious cycle is start bringing some, you know, do those three simple things that I was kind of talking about and try and bring a bit of balance into into the life um, and into into our experience. Um, yeah, and, and, and try and work, work through it in you know in those three three areas those three key areas that's that's kind of the again simple in theory but maybe not Mm -hmm. so much in practice yeah I thank you so much I love that we're talking about anxiety because that is something that's so relatable to I feel like so many people myself included um so thank you and it's all very helpful um but right now I think we're going to take a little bit of a break Um, And then we're going to come back in the second half and talk about uh, sex coaching. Very exciting. Um, And pleasure. So um, let's do that. We're going to take a little bit of a break to hear from our lovely, lovely sponsors. And we'll be right back with Cam Frazier. take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors shall we first of all oasis aqua lounge is a water themed sex club located right here in toronto at 231 mutual street oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame free when it comes to pleasure and play check them out at their website oasisaqualounge.com Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. 
Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Provocateur Images is the official boudoir photography studio of Bedpost. To receive 10% off your next studio session, use the coupon code BEDPOST. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T. For more information and to see the gorgeous shots that are possible at this studio, check out provocateurimages.ca or follow them at provocateur underscore images on Instagram. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Pym, and I'm here with sex coach Cam Frazier. Hi. Hi, hi. <laughs> All the way from Australia. It's like almost 11 a.m. for me. What time is it for you right now? Almost 11 p.m. for me. <laughs> That's so insane. Okay, so we're going to talk about um, sex coaching which is a very, a very exciting topic. So what exactly, um, what exactly is a sex coach? What do you do as a sex coach? Awesome. So I um, get this question heaps, so I'm happy <laughs> to answer it. My, um, uh, my definition, I suppose, first uh, starts with a little bit of a, a, you know, a differentiation, I suppose, between therapy and coaching. Um, therapy, uh, for me, at least in my opinion, uh, works kind of with things in the past, it's a bit more past-oriented, maybe maintaining um, and working through and processing some things that have happened uh, in the past that are hindering you in the present. Coaching is a little bit more uh, future-oriented, so it works uh, with setting goals up and being uh, goal-focused and working towards strategies to achieve the things that you want to achieve. And so with regards to sex coaching, uh, we then take that coaching aspect and apply it to our sexuality and our sexual expression and our sex lives. So, for example, I help, uh, I help people overcome things like uh, premature ejaculation because they want to improve that and their goal is to last longer or, or to satisfy themselves or their partner a bit more, um, help people around um, learning how to have particular types of orgasms um, because that's something they want to improve and it's a goal of theirs to bring that into their life. Um, We'll work around uh, bringing intimacy back into couples' relationships. Um, Yeah, there's a whole bunch of uh, like really amazing things that we're able to do as sex coaches. And how do you, what is the actual practice? Like, so is it all just sitting and talking or is it hands-on? What actually happens, like in a sex coaching session? Cool. So there can be, there can sometimes be quite a lot of talking and just relying on maybe talk, you know, talk therapy practices and maybe some goal setting. Um, but the uh, 
the best thing about coaching is that it allows for therapeutic touch and for other maybe movement-based practices or physical practices. Um, because I've got that background in yoga, I bring a bit of those into my practice as well. So I teach people yoga as, um, as part of the uh, process moving forward and as well as uh, perhaps offer some um, different types of massage, you know, not only um, for them, but teach them how to do it as well for themselves or for their partners. So, yeah, there's uh, a really nice use of therapeutic touch as well in um, sex coaching sessions. Okay. And since you brought it up, so let's say someone comes in and they would like to help figure out premature ejaculation that they're experiencing uh, within their sex life. For example, like how might one, how might a sex coach begin to help with something like that? Yeah. So um, if say a client came and presented with that, uh, some things that I would look at working with them on would be um, their, first of all, their self-pleasuring practices. So what is their masturbation routine like? Um, because that the way that they masturbate or self-pleasure is probably the way that they're uh, doing their partner-based pleasure activities. Um, so uh, I would take stock of that and maybe give them a whole bunch of exercises to do um, in their self-pleasuring so that they can learn how to control their ejaculation, become a bit more aware of the sensations of it, learn how to slow it down. Um, so it's a very practical advice, things that they can just do on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. um, so that when they do eventually um, engage sexually with another person, they can put those practices into place with um, the full, fully informed consent of the other person because sometimes those practices can be a bit weird. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so there's, it can be very practical. There's a lot of, um, like, physical things that they can do and then um, – the good thing as well is that a lot of sex coaches have some background in talk therapy because sometimes premature ejaculation can be a little bit more psychological. Mm-hmm. So um, there'd be some talk therapy things that you could go through with a person who suffers from um, rapid or early ejaculation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, having a couple come in and asking about, you know, wanting to reignite their sexual relationship or spice things up. Um, I'm sure that's got to be one of the most common issues. Is that, is that true? Uh, yeah, for couples. Yeah. Yeah. Is, and what, I mean, I'm sure that's, it's different on a case by case basis and different for every relationship, but are you able to give us some advice, um, that might send some listeners like, on a good journey, you know, to help reignite their sexual, their sex life with their partner or partners? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I guess some real quick um, basic advice would be um, build up your non-sexual intimacy first. Um, So make sure you're really feeling connected and emotionally connected to your partner um, outside of the bedroom because that will translate a lot better into the bedroom as well. Right. And then um, when you are in the bedroom, start to um, feel comfortable or start to challenge yourself to feel comfortable having some conversations around what it is that you find pleasurable. So, um, yeah, if there's something that you really enjoy, uh, firstly, figure that out, figure out what that is if you don't know, but then um, really work towards letting your partner know what that is. Yeah. 
Yeah, just, I'm yeah, I'm sure way. I'm sure it's all about communication. <laughs> like a lot of people, <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people just don't don't either. You're saying don't even know what they want or don't know how to communicate it to their partner. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's a, yeah, that's pretty much the way I look at it. Yeah. And going and seeing a sex coach is that like a place where they can maybe some people feel comfortable to do that like if they're not if they don't feel comfortable communicating to their partner so who they've been married with you know for years or or what have you um you know is is maybe the you know in your office a place where they feel comfortable doing that yeah so um i found that a lot of people sometimes just need permission to feel um, comfortable talking about something so they, they need someone who maybe is um, not going to judge them who um, has set up a bit of a safe container a safe space for them to feel comfortable talking about some things that they don't usually talk to their friends or their spouse about or their partner about um, so yeah and I've got you know, as most coaches and therapists will have as well is a confidentiality agreement so yeah. that can sometimes play a little bit of a, a role in making people feel comfortable opening up um, but yeah it's yeah I usually find that as soon as you give someone the permission to talk about or you know they, they feel like they're allowed to talk about what's going on for them sexually they generally start to feel pretty comfortable opening up to you about it yeah, and you know what I mean, like to have the uh, to the have the opportunity of having like a moderator or having mm-hmm. uh, someone kind of guide them through this talk. I'm sure is like super valuable for people who are just aren't just naturally great communicators about sex. Yeah, having a bit of a mediator um, in between the two people can definitely definitely help. Yeah, um, amazing, um, and. Uh, is is does spirituality also come into kind of come into this or yeah yeah so for for a lot of people their their spirituality um can be linked to their sexuality for um some people they might be struggling to to kind of bring those two integrate those two together and for other people there might be no connection whatsoever but um there's always and like I was kind of mentioning in the first half of the podcast, there is always some type of crossover between spirituality slash religion and and the sexual experience that people are having. Yeah. Um, so a, a very brief example is um, I went to school actually in uh, Georgia for two years in um, the deep conservative south of America, mm-hmm. and um, the really hardcore um, Baptist influence of that area uh, ended up repressing and suppressing a a lot of uh, sexual attitudes and sexual expression uh, in the community. So Mm -hmm. um, the people that were maybe having sex or having sex that wasn't super vanilla um, felt a lot of guilt and shame and fear around, around their sexual expression because of the fact that their their little society or their little little community was um, was affected so heavily by this spirituality or this religion. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, even if we maybe don't practice that religion because it's all the all around us or that spirituality is all around us, um, we can definitely be influenced by it. 
And even later as adults, like when we, when we don't practice, you know, say that religion or that type of spirituality anymore, it can still have like really long-term repercussions, right? Oh yeah. Because we, we start to build a narrative or build a story around sexuality. Um, even if we think that it's not connected to the religion that we maybe practiced or our parents practiced when we were young, um, those stories are still very much present, um, in the stories that we tell ourselves around our sexuality. Um, like so many people, for example, had you know, sex negative education or even pleasure negative education mm-hmm. kind of growing up. Um, I know I did. And those stories still find a way to play out in, in our adult lives. Yeah, I had a um, somebody who talks about specifically sex and religion a lot, Beth Ostrander, um, and, uh, yeah, we really connected because we both had, uh, you know, uh, religious teachings that affect, affected like our long-term relationship with our own sexuality for sure. Um, and something I, I asked her, and I also want to ask you is what is a way if we are, if we are kind of as adults starting to realize that what we've been taught, you know, is in conflict with the type of um, the type of sex life we want to have and the type of relationship we want to have with our own sexuality. What what can we do? What to start to figure that out for ourselves and kind of leave that, you know, as you said, sex negative kind of script behind and move forward to something a little more sex positive. Mm. No, I said it's a good question. A big question for a, for a Wednesday night. For me. Um, <laughs> at 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I think the, I guess to stay in the vein of like practical advice, one of the one of the things that I really love to to teach people about and to give them um, to give them the strategies to do is is a practice called uh, is a practice called pleasure mapping. And it sounds um, exactly what it is. It's it's a way of mapping pleasure across your body. Um, so often we can, you know, when when these stories and when these narratives and scripts um, of you know the religion that we've been practicing or have practiced before starts to create a bit of anxiety and conflict in our in ourselves around what it is that we're wanting to experience and express sexually, we tend to close down to. So that experience, we tend to close down to pleasure and to the sensations of of that sexual experience. So, um, yeah, one of the ways of, of kind of combating that at a very practical level is starting to just really map pleasure across your body. So use your use your self touch. Uh, you can use um, some people like to use different toys or products or whatever it might be, um, but you know, not necessarily just focusing on the genitals, but focusing on the the whole body the body is one whole erotic network and and starting to um you know just appreciate the the pleasure that you that you can experience um because yeah it's, it, it can be can be so i guess claustrophobic you know or so um restrictive when these these narratives or these religious and spiritual narratives kind of m- manifest in our sex lives so um trying to trying to move through that physically with this idea of noticing your pleasure and, and really starting to explore your pleasure can be a, um, can be a really, um, really physical way of trying to move through that. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. And when we're talking about pleasure mapping, even just walk me through that. Cause I'm, I'm picturing like masturbating essentially, like doing some explorative self pleasure, masturbating type stuff. Is that what you're talking about or am I way off? No, you're pretty much, you're pretty much there. You're in the right direction. So I try not to use the word masturbation too much because, um, because of the connotations that it carries. Like so many people, when they hear the word masturbation, go straight to their masturbatory routine, which might be either sitting on a couch or lying down in their favorite position, just going to their old, or not old, but you know, their, their faithful strokes um, and doing what they know will get them off kind of um, usually as quick as, as quick as they, as quick as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the reframe there is, pleasure and self-pleasuring and self-pleasure mapping, um, which is starting to, yeah, being a bit more exploratory, so maybe moving away from the genitals. Um, if you're not used to touching other parts of your body, maybe try touching um, the chest or the arms or the feet or anything, you know, the, the kind of whole body is your oyster. Um, and starting to um, alternate the, the – so starting to calibrate and alternate your touch. So – maybe applying different types of pressure or you can maybe try some scratching. Some people might like some impact play and doing a bit of thudding on their chest or slapping. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you could try using feathers um, for some sensation play or you know um, some, some oil or something like that. But um, there's a whole bunch of ways that you can start to change the dynamics of your touch um, to experience different types of sensations. And you might find something that you um, – you didn't even think you would find pleasurable, but you um, are blown away by how much pleasure it gives you. Is this something that you would recommend doing with a partner or a professional, for example, or is this something that you kind of, especially when kind of you're first doing this on your journey, you kind of don't need the other set of eyes on you, if you know what I mean. It's like a place where you need to be alone, so you have no judgments and and you can kind of create a safe space for yourself? Or is this something that would maybe be easier with another person? What's your opinion on, on that? Um, yeah, so all, I mean, all three, 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 <laughs> three of those things are, um, can be really beneficial. Like it's very individual on the, on the person. So as you mentioned, some people feel really comfortable in their own space, in their own bubble, and they've created the container and they don't want those maybe judging judgmental eyes on them. Um, but some other people might feel comfortable with a coach or with a um, somatic sexologist, um, someone who works with them and does this pleasure mapping practice kind of with them, guides them through them with some touch and um, helps them kind of feel into the things that they find super pleasurable. And some other people might feel comfortable doing it straight up with a partner. They might have that level of communication or they might be open to taking penetration or orgasm or ejaculation off the table and actually just exploring pleasure and exploring touch. So um, it can be very, very individual for for the person who's interested in the practice. Mm -hmm. And what um, types of tools would you recommend kind of picking up if we wanted to kind of experiment with this? You mentioned a feather. Um, what, What are some other kind of tools or toys that might help us kind of experiment and play with all these different sensations 
Yeah, I mean, you've got two amazing tools on the end of your arms. Your, um, <laughs> your hands can be used in an amazing amount of ways. You can, um, you can apply different types of pressure. You can, um, you, know, you can be rough, you can be firm, you can be soft, you can be smooth. Um, but then if you want to kind of expand out of that, you can start to use maybe some oil. You know, coconut oil can be an amazing thing. If you're into a little bit of food play, you could chuck some honey down. Um, you could use molasses. Um, you could go um, you go wild with some vibrations as well. If you've got any vibrating toys, um, you know, different types of sensations, um, I'm sure you're probably aware of. And there could be things like um, you know spiked gloves. Uh, you go with paddles. You could go into some whips and some chains. But um, yeah, anything that you you know you find in your kitchen, I suppose, could be used as a as a way of creating a different sensation um, for your body. And then it's up to you to determine whether you find that pleasurable or not. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and as far as the figuring that out, um, you're just, you're just, you know, keeping track of what of the things you do like. So say you're trying out these 10 different implements or toys or tools, and you're just kind of mentally keeping track of, of things you liked and, and that's it. Yes. So, um, so this can be where like having a partner or having a professional can be a little bit more helpful because mm -hmm. um, you might get lost in the moment if, if it's just yourself and, and find it difficult to keep track of everything. Mm -hmm. um, but some people like uh, creating a list. Um, some people like just keeping track in their head. Um, some, uh, sometimes I, I give people the, the suggestion of you know, uh, having this scale of, of 1 to 10, 1 being like not very arousing or pleasurable at all. 10 being the most pleasurable you've ever experienced in your whole entire life <laughs> and then starting to starting to grade different sensations or different strokes um, or different experiences on that scale of, of one to ten um, so you can yeah you, all of a sudden you've you've got a couple of tens you've got a couple of ones and then you've got a whole bunch of um, you know fours and fives sixes maybe some eights and and then Already, you've got this, you know, erotic menu of, of experiences and, and tools that you can use to elicit certain experiences, um, pleasurable experiences in your body. Um, so yeah, yeah, whatever works for you. You can you can write a list, you can journal it, um, you can try and keep it in your head. You can do do it on video as well, um, and then watch the video back. That can be really amazing as well. Um, or you can do it with a partner, and they can take you know take down notes for you. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, okay, uh, this is all so very informative. <laughs> I love it. Um, we're basically at the time where we should be wrapping up. Um, basically about the time where you should probably going be going to bed. Um, <laughs> so I was wondering if you had um, just in a more general way, just some sort of last words, last tidbits of advice or, you know, something that you haven't said already that is kind of about your philosophy as far as sexual wellness, sexual health, that you wanted to pass along to um, to our listeners. You're free to do so. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, I guess, the, like, the only piece of advice um, to be as concise as possible would be... Uh, to, to tell the listeners to not, don't be afraid of exploring your body, of exploring the pleasure that your 
body is capable of. Yeah. yeah don't be afraid of it. Amazing. And if we wanted to find you, follow you, book you for any sort of coaching or class, um, where can we do all of that? Uh, you can do it at uh, two different places. The first is my official business website, which is www.kamawellnessperth. That's K-A-M-A, Wellness Perth. Kama like the Kama Sutra. Mm-hmm. And my Instagram as well is where I share all my content and a whole bunch of um, amazing, informative um, posts. And that's at Cam Fraser 400. Amazing. Um, and for bedpost listeners, uh, for me, again, I'm going to mention my Patreon. Uh, if you want to throw a couple bucks my way, you can do that at patreon.com slash the bedpost show on Instagram. I'm the bedpost show on Facebook. I'm, uh, bedpost erotica. Um, if you're in Toronto and want to see the bedpost stage show, we are the third Friday of every month at 8 at the Social Capital Theatre at 154 Danforth Avenue. Um, if you are listening to us on a podcasting app, a rating and reviewing goes a really long way. I really appreciate it. Um, and if you are listening to the audio podcast, then you're going to be hearing original music by Stephanie Copeland. And you can find out about her and her art at stephcopelandmusic.com. Um, a huge thank you as always to uh, the folks at the Sonar Network, my podcasting network. A huge thank you to everyone who's listening here today. And lastly, another huge thank you to you, Cam. Um, you've been a fantastic guest here today. Everybody check out Cameron Frazier and all his fantastic work. Um, I'm sure he's got a hell of a lot more to say on all of the topics that we mentioned here today and more. Um, so Cam, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time this late uh, Wednesday evening <laughs> for me. Thank you so Uh, much. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Thank you very much. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much again. And thank you to everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 